right. Today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we have a special guest. We have Kenny Wood. He is a composer, arranger, and author from Los Angeles. He's been working in film and games since 2000, and his music has been heard in movies like Fate of the Furious, Despicable Me 3, one of my faves, Scream, Super Mario Brothers, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Rambo Last Blood, and many more. So, Kenny, welcome to the pod. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, my first question for you is, how did you get on a team working for Brian Tyler? I, I tell this story quite often, and and it all comes back to uh, my time at USC as uh, part of the SMPTV film scoring program. It's now called screen scoring, but that's that doesn't really matter. The short takeaway is that you got to be close and friendly with everyone you meet everywhere you go, because you never know where an opportunity is going to come from. So in this case, um, I, I was good buddies with um, one of the other students there while I was there, uh, Robert Lidecker. And he um, he and I always got along. We would share each other's projects and, and, and you know, kind of give each other encouragements as, as we went along. So when we got out of school, it was uh, 2009. He got an internship for Mark Isham. Uh, and then I followed him there uh, and and spent a few weeks there interning there as well. Uh, and then fast forward a few years, he he worked for Mark a little bit, and then he transitioned over to assist for Brian Tyler. So he worked for Brian for a bunch of years and um, got an opportunity to co-score a movie with Brian. And that movie was Triple X, Triple X Three, starring Vin Diesel. He needed a, a team of writers, so you know this is where that relationship comes in he he contacted me to help him out with some of the cues on that movie and and i i happily did it because uh, you know he's a good buddy of mine and sure enough the music editor on that movie uh liked the stuff that i was turning in so he had me come in for um the power rangers movie which brian was doing and then after that the fate of the furious and then it just kind of kept rolling from there and and since those since that time which was 2016 uh i've i've been on on most of brian's big projects including super mario brothers which which just came out late earlier this year yeah that's awesome man and you're doing a lot of arranging yeah yeah so for those movies brian comes up with all the themes and then it's up to the writing team to to kind of uh, architect them throughout the movie and and get them to work. So it's it's a pretty cool process because um, and and it's something I've I've done quite a bit, not just for Brian, but but for some other composers as well. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, an exercise. It's a muscle that that I've gotten to flex a lot in in the last five or six years. Nice. How how have you developed sort of trying to figure out? or understand his style and sort of write in? Do you try to like listen to a lot of his music to kind of get little things that he likes to do or just ask him certain questions on? Can you talk a little bit about that process of kind of like trying to get in his head for doing some arranging? Well, thanks to Bob, uh, who uh, Robert, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he he kind of gave me like a very succinct way of emulating Brian Tyler, which was basically orchestra on steroids. <laughs> so if you get that right, uh, you're you're well on your way. And then as you turn in things, you get feedback from Brian himself, and he'll tell you, okay, we we need more of this, less of this. Let's let's get this thumping a bit more and things like that. And and then it starts to evolve into his sound. Um, so in that way, it's kind of cool. And and now that some years have gone by, 
you know, myself and and the other arrangers were able to kind of turn in things on the first draft and it it sounds like what he's wanting it to sound like. So it's just sort of automatic at this point. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. So I went to your Instagram and I saw your latest post is uh, Disney's The Naughty Nine spotted in Times Square. And there is an advertisement for uh, Disney's Naughty Nine, which I had never heard of, but it's coming out. It looks like November 22nd. So can you talk to us about that? Right, right. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about this. So uh, this is the latest feature film that I got to work on as, as the main composer. And it's about nine or it's about eight kids and a, and a grown up who fly to the North Pole to steal the presents from Santa Claus that they didn't get because they were on his naughty list. Okay. So it plays a lot like uh, Ocean's Eleven heist movie, uh, but for kids and it's it's um, family friendly and, and it's got all the Disney stuff and Alberto Belli, the director just did an, a, a fantastic job putting this movie together. It's it's awesome. No matter how old you are and no matter, you know, what your feelings on Santa Claus are, it, it's a fun watch. So I, I highly recommend it. How did you land this gig? How did you uh, come across this movie? Oh, yeah. Um, well, Alberto, who I mentioned, uh, he and I have been um, like a director composer duo since 2011. So, you know, we've been working together almost 12, uh, yeah, I guess 12 years now. Nice. Uh, so, you know, anything he does, I'm, I'm always eager to, to jump in on it. And the last movie we did was called Gatlop, which was a, um, um, a horror movie, a horror comedy. And, and that was really fun to do. So it, it's kind of a, a, an interesting thing that we've, we've jumped from, you know, horror to Disney and, and we've done, you know, all kinds of things in between, like commercials and um, short films and things like that. So I'm, I'm ecstatic that he is starting to explode now, and 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 I hope uh, he'll take me with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was telling you the the Gatlov score is really good. I was oh, actually listening you. to it the other day when I was going for a drive doing a food run, and uh, yeah, like I even noticed like you had like some kind of like dubstep elements in it. Like it's cool. Like it has like sort of uh, like a very quirky orchestral you know, you know, the little bits of horror elements and stuff, but like you, you do kind of like bring in little elements that you wouldn't really expect, which I thought was pretty awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. Alberto is like, he's the type of storyteller where you, you really got to turn on a dime at any moment. And, you know, we'll go from, you know, super heightened emotions to, to like fun and you know everything in between at a at a snap of a finger. So you know that's that's one reason you know we get along so well creatively is that uh, I, I'm I'm able to like with the type of music that I do I'm able to make those changes um, pretty quickly and and hopefully convincingly. So you all can be the judge uh, when when you see Naughty Nine uh, in a couple of weeks. Have you seen the Spider Verse movies? I've seen the first one and yeah, that, that is amazing. And there's definitely a, a hint of that, like maybe not directly, but we're, we're both Alberto and I are inspired by, by that kind of filmmaking and storytelling where, you know, it's, it's, it just goes hard all the time. And, and, and the movies are, are just, you know, edge of your seat the entire way through. There's, there's no, yeah. I just really like the genre twisting of it where you, you don't stay in one lane, the whole movie, you know, you're not, you're not like, okay, we're going to write a horror movie and it's going to be this stereotypical horror movie. You can, you can kind of twist and uh, jump into different genres. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and if, if that's the kind of movie making you like, you'll, you'll love everything that Alberto does. <laughs> 
So, so how did you approach the Naughty Nine score as far as like consciously trying to not make it too sort of Christmassy or like like you were saying, it has a lot of that kind of like they're going in trying to get their presence back. Were you trying to incorporate sort of more like Mission Impossible sort of elements sort of things like that or? All of the above, really. Um, so the first, I would say, half of the film, we're really establishing um, our main character, Andy, as this kind of mastermind and he he plans things and and there's a cool planning montage. So all of that is very much in the realm of Mission Impossible, Ocean's Eleven, uh, James Bond kind of stuff. And then, and then the story kind of sh- evolves. It shifts into this, this very heartwarming family kind of like bring it together, do the right thing kind of Disney vibe. And, and that was kind of the challenge of this movie where we, how do we get from, from this spy craft kind of thing into this heartwarming, like home alone is, is a title that comes to mind mm-hmm. when, when I'm describing this. Uh, and then everywhere in between, you know, we, we have stuff that sounds like, like uh, back to the future or Jurassic park or, you know, just big time um, orchestral music that, you know, will take you back to like the, the golden era in the nineties. Oh, that's awesome. Kinds of movies. And and those are the movies that Alberto and I grew up on. So that's, that's kind of what, what cemented our bond is that we, we had the same kind of uh, cinematic upbringing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause you get to kind of harken back to, you know, the things that you remember musically as a child and kind of, you know, be able to bring in these, big sweeping themes and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Oh, yeah. How did you guys meet? Oh, at USC. Yeah, he was a film student and and I was a student there as well. Um, we didn't actually work together until after we both graduated, but it was cool. Like the, the movie, the first movie we did was a short film called The Case of the Missing Garden Gnome. And that was another, uh, it was like a film noir uh, mystery, like a whodunit caper kind of thing. And and that was a lot of fun. So we we really like to dive back into those classic genres where where music played such an important role. And, and that's another reason I just love, love, love working with him is because he takes music so seriously. It's it's one of his favorite parts of the process. So, you know, if, if you find a director like that, it's a dream come true. Um, could you tell us about a typical day in the life? You can talk about when you were scoring the Naughty Nine, like your schedule during that that point, or if you want to talk arranging, like a typical day arranging on a team. Yeah, for sure. My typical day, uh, since, since I have a daughter <laughs> and a family here, um, is mostly taking care of them. <laughs> And then when I get those few precious hours to work, I'll, I'll just dive right in, um, you know, fire up the session. Usually my computers are just on 24-7 because because that's <laughs> that's the life of a dad where, you know, you, you don't really know when you're going to get started. But when you do, you need to just hit the ground running. So, you know, everything's ready to go. I'll just fire it up. Uh, in the case of arranging, like for Brian or somebody, I'll listen to uh, his sketches to to get an idea of what what he's looking for. The, another cool part about working with Brian is that he will he'll he'll talk through his sketches as well. He'll give like little hints on like here's a musical idea and this could be in the strings or this could be in the low basses or something like that and make it rumble and and so we we get inspiration from those things and oh, and nice. turn our sounds into into exactly what he's looking for and um kind of iterating we, we we put the ideas down just play it over and over and over comb it and and groom it into something and then we'll we'll send it in get some feedback and just re- restart and until we get something that everyone's happy with 
with these sketches, are they usually piano sketches or are they kind of like lightly mocked up with virtual instruments or? It could, it could be any of the above. So it could be as, as thin as uh, just him doodling a melody on the piano and then telling us some stuff, or it could be a fully realized, fully mocked up, like fully produced with everything, all the bells and whistles. And, and those are nice. Cause you know, we get, we get a, a chance to hear what the real sound is going to be like, but you know, a- anything in between is fine too. Like, we we're we're so accustomed to to working this way so we can really fill in the blanks with with our experience and 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 get something that he and the client is happy with cool did having a child change the way you write music oh absolutely absolutely it made me a lot faster and more efficient in those those precious hours and and you know when when you're not when you're away from the desk and you're sort of you know, thinking about, okay, how am I going to maximize that desk time? You're, you you start to think about things more and, and go through the mental process, uh, you know, when you're, when you're just away from it all. And it's not to say that, like, that's what I'm thinking of versus, you know, spending quality time with my child, because sure. I certainly get plenty of that. And, and my daughter's great. She's, uh, she's on her way to becoming a, a performer of some kind, because she just loves the spotlight. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but yeah, when when I return to the desk, like I I'm I'm typically just full to the brim with you know ideas that I want to try. So it makes it a lot more efficient that I'm not just sitting there fishing for stuff. I've I've got things ready to to put in there, and and you know the course of the day kind of allows me to to prioritize what things I want to try first. So so it's it's a nice efficient process, and that's something that I didn't have before. You know, I had all I used to have all the time in the world, yeah, and would be spent you know just kind of sitting there twiddling my thumbs as I think of what to try next, but. You know, it's completely different now. So, um, and and I don't think I would go back. I, I think I like it this way. Kind of puts you in crunch mode a little bit. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Are you from a musical family? Like, um, what was the role of music in the early years of your life? Yeah, um, I, I would say so. So my dad was, uh, he studied music in college and he was a classical guitarist and a oh, nice. drummer and a percussionist and played in all kinds of, of groups and stuff. But when it was time for... For him to start his family, like he he had to um, take on a, a more traditional job, you know, in in the in the industrial sector. But the cool part was, you know, he he played and practiced all the time at home. So you know, I grew up with the sounds of the guitar getting plucked all the time. And my mom was also a vocal performance major in in college too. And then like you know, likewise, she had to turn things to a more uh, traditional career focus so she went into education and uh, administration and stuff like that so the foundation was there yeah uh, and and it certainly gave me you know all the all the tools and motivation I needed to to get my career going and and it's probably the the greatest part you know the a testament to all things American dream if you want to put it that way is um now now that i'm doing music i've actually turned that into my career and and i can i can you know help pay the bills over here with just doing music stuff yeah that's a good feeling Mm -hmm. so uh what instruments did you play in the like when you were first kind of getting into learning music did you did you go with the guitar or did you go with the with the piano or Right, right actually guitar was one of the last things i picked up but i would plunk on the piano every now and then so like basic basic melodies i could play and stuff like that but trumpet was the first one where you know i actually sat in on a band class and 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 learned it 
the traditional way. And then uh, my my piano playing got more sophisticated in middle school. And then from there, I taught myself drums and guitar and, and things like that. So, so I've got kind of an intermediate working knowledge of all those things, but I would probably say I'm a trumpet player first and foremost. Oh, okay. Did you learn uh, like in in school, like middle school or? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And I studied trumpet in college. So that was like, you know, a, a serious instrument for me. Oh, that's when you were really taking it to the next level. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. Learning it in, in middle school, especially because it's like you're already there. Like when I was first trying to learn guitar, I didn't even know how to play. And I and I joined the school band. And I was just in there with a guitar and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so that's always a good way to, if you don't like being in other other types of classes in school, just join music class. <laughs> sure. And and uh, another thing about that is music teachers are like a different breed altogether. Mm-hmm. And, and I was lucky to have two great music teachers, one in middle school and, and one in high school, um, Mr. Maycumber and Mr. Crawford, respectively. And they were just amazing. Like, you know, no matter where the skill level was on any student, you know, they, they're just always encouraging. They never give up on anyone and, and they'll get them there. That's that's probably the coolest part is you could come in with any level of knowledge or experience and by the end of that school year you're going to be playing something and you're you're going to be you know sitting in with the rest of the group um you know holding your own and and it's pretty awesome uh, mm-hmm. just you know testament to how great they were yeah that's cool um i'm interested in super mario brothers the the like movie uh because that has been a smash hit and i think there's going to be more nintendo movies coming if i had to guess so yeah, sure. could you tell us about the process like arranging for that yeah that was like a bucket list item like dream come true without a doubt e- e- even if i'm just you know contributing a small part as as one of the arrangers it it was like a thrill from from beginning to end so i was also lucky enough to to arrange some of the the really cool scenes in the movie too like the Mushroom Kingdom, where Toad's guiding Mario through through his first pass through the through all the t- little toads and stuff. Nice. And that was a, a heck of a fun one to do, and yeah, it, it was like one of those things where growing up as a kid of the late '80s and early '90s, where you know Super Mario was just kind of part of my life, part of my DNA almost. It it felt really natural to kind of just you know mix my two passions of video games and and movie music and and put them together and Brian gave us some really great themes to work with so you know it it all just kind of came together like a perfect storm uh, illumination who distributed the movie and nintendo themselves they had a little bit of input on you know what they were kind of looking for but you know Brian and and our team we were just ready to go like we we already had the right mindset and and all the right tools and everything so as the cues started to get done and get turned in like everyone was just having a great time and there were like little details that we had to polish and things like that but but the overall structure of the whole thing like almost didn't change from beginning to end it was it was pretty solid how how we envisioned it from the get-go when you're working on a project like that are you also working on other things or is this like your your main thing for a couple months um i think you'll get a different answer from everyone but but i personally i like to focus on on what what's in front of me right then and there so at that time the uh, Super Mario was, uh, you know, kind of front and center of everything. And we were on break from 
the other show that I've done a lot of work on, which is Magnum PI uh, at that time. So it was kind of lucky that it turned out that way because because Magnum is a great show too, even though you know it's not it's not going to come back for another season after this one ends. But yeah, it it was uh, you know just really fortunate that I could I could focus a hundred percent on it because that that movie is definitely one you don't want to be diverting your attention from. Yeah. It needs it needs the love. It needs the care. It needs everything. Did you guys have any, um, I guess, not issues, but like when it, you know, when it comes to taking all these classic iconic themes and like putting them together, because I think you guys did a great job as far as like just introducing or, or not or just bringing in all these old themes together and making them work. Like, was there anything kind of tricky trying to get some of those to work or like did you do anything with like kind of modifying keys or anything like that or. Right, right. Um, anything's tricky, I think when you're trying to get something that worked so well for a particular genre and then now you're trying to stuff it into this you know cinematic sequence it has to work as a movie not just as a as a good piece of music on its own so that's that's always tricky to do but you know the cool part about working with the mario music is we have 40 years of it like <laughs> there's just endless stuff material we can pull from so as long as you've played some of the games like you know, I, I haven't played every single Mario game there is. There's, there's, you know, like 300 of them or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, as long as you've done the major ones, the big pillars, uh, there is so much good stuff at every kind of emotion, every kind of pacing, every kind of density and and weight level that you can pull from. Uh, so there's always something we could do for a particular thing. Now, the really, really tricky part is if we we put something in a particular sequence and then the um, producers and Nintendo and everything say, um, that's not working for us. We need we need to use this theme. So then, then you're thinking like, oh, okay. Well, th- I was thinking about this theme, but I don't think it could work in here. <laughs> Uh, but let me try. So, you know, that's where some of the 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 grinding hours are spent doing it. But luckily, you know, we were, we were able to make it all work. Um, the one the one scene in particular, and I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but the part where uh, the princess is battling Bowser on on top of the the floating ship, uh, that scene um, needed a lot of finessing and 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 massaging and and in the way I just spoke about. So, uh, so we did have some challenges there, but, but, you know, overall it's, it's still all worked out and, and everyone seemed to be happy and, and, and yeah, that, that was that. Yeah. It's a really fun score to listen to. Like even just like, I, I have a tendency to just listen to scores before I even see the movies. Mm-hmm. So I know it was going to be coming out on Peacock. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it, but I want to hear the music. Cause I'm always, I've been following Brian Tyler's stuff for, for a long time. And, and yeah, like you guys all did a, a great job on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's a fun one to follow and and he's certainly not done. Yeah, there's there's lots of fun stuff waiting. Yeah, I need to find out what vitamins that dude's taking because that dude has energy. <laughs> Do you prefer the schedule of a TV show or a movie? Oh, um, I, I would always say movie, uh, at least in the context that movies take a little longer and, you know, you have you know a good chunk of time typically to work on them. Not always. Um, and then animation, especially because you have an even longer window. Yeah. So in the case of the Super Mario Brothers movie, we had nine months to work on that score. Like that's a huge amount of time. That's that's like the time that that John Williams gets to do a movie because you know they let him take as long as he wants, basically, right? Mm-hmm. But on uh, on a TV show, which are great by the way, like there are there are times where I I would just love to just have the the routine nature of a TV show and. The kind of assurance that okay, there's going to be another episode coming up, so I'm I'm not going to be looking for a gig, and then yeah, 
and and so on and so forth. Uh, that's always great. Um, but you know, with TV, you're 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 very much limited on time. You're it's probably a week on average to to turn in all the music for an episode. So, in the case of Magnum PI, you know, it's it's up to the team to pump out about 36 minutes of music every week. So that that puts a lot of pressure on, on not just me as one of the arrangers, but um, Keith Power, who's the, the the main composer on that, plus all the the other arrangers on that as well. It's 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 intense, but but it's cool because it all seems to just magically come together at the end, and, and that has a lot to do with music editing too. So those are a really great part of the team too. What's your process at the very beginning of a project? Like you first get some rough sketch of a movie or you know you you just get like a, a script uh what, what do you do right at the beginning right i always prefer if i can to see some footage like i, I want to see what the tone is like what the movement is like how fast things are going what uh you know if anything has been edited I, I like to see the pace of the edits and and that really inspires me a lot especially in in um, tempo and and timing and not only that but you know character and weight and lightness and darkness and and things like that it, it's the most clear indicator of of how the story is going to be told and how the music's going to support that but you know it, a lot of filmmakers like to send scripts because they like to get as much of that um, kind of team building done before any of the actual production work is done. So, you know, I'll, I'll read scripts here and there, but but I, I think I'm the worst at interpreting tone and, and pace from just right. reading. You know, I, I want to see someone's vision of it because that's what inspires me the most. Yeah, totally. Do you generally work in Pro Tools? I know Brian Tyler tends to work in Pro Tools. Like when you're doing different projects do you tend to switch DAWs or do you pri primarily work in Pro Tools? Right, right. Um, so yes, I, I work in Pro Tools, uh, but I was a way back in college, I was a DP guy. And then when I graduated college, I was a logic guy for a bunch of years. And then I dabbled in Cubase a little bit. So I've I've been through most of the, the major ones. Uh, having assisted a couple of composers who were logic users, uh, and making that transition every movie from, you know, we, we we finish writing everything, we print it all out to audio, and then we got to stuff it into Pro Tools. And there's just, you know, a whole long list of challenges that come with that. I just decided then and there, you know what, I'm going to make it easy on myself and just be a Pro Tools person. And and there was a good transition period of a, of a couple of years where I was, you know, learning it uh, as as not just an audio editor, but as a uh, as a MIDI studio. So, you know, there, there's a learning curve there, but uh, I, thanks to the help of technology like Keyboard Maestro and things like that, I was able to program things that could make it function as if it were logic and, uh, and you know, kind of close the gap there. So Pro Tools and yeah, Brian's in Pro Tools. So that's, that's always nice to be able to kind of just transfer sessions over to him easily and, and he can open it right up and get to work. Yeah. Do you, do you guys all have similar templates? To where you can just kind of bounce projects back and forth or how, how do you normally go about that because i'm always curious about like how that works right right um for for him and me not at all like our our templates are completely different um but one thing i put in my template is the ability to um transform it into something that'll fit right into his template so like i've i've got my tracks ordered up in a certain way and like for example one of the things he likes to do is he likes to have an audio track and then just under that audio track is the MIDI that 
that led into that audio track. So so I've got mine all ordered up like that. And then I just clear away the tracks that he doesn't need and then send it to him. And, and then it'll be one of his assistants probably that will open it up and just dump the tracks into his session. And then, and then he can get going with wheels on the ground. Ah, okay. So you created the teammates Facebook group and discord group. Uh, could you tell us the origins of that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you don't know, teammates is the um, community for up and coming composers and assistants and Originally, it was conceived as like a way to create a safe space for assistants to, you know, get to know one another, build community, um, you know, hash out through like challenges and struggles that assistants often face. Uh, but we've we've been growing. So, you know, we're, we're up over 3,400 members now and we've turned into kind of like this uh, this sort of uh, career melting pot or career nursery, if you want to call it that. So <laughs> so if you're just starting out. Uh, as a composer and and you want to be in a place where you can ask any question you want and not feel embarrassed about it like teammates is the place to do it hopefully we can uh, provide some links and get people on board who are just watching this Definitely. but anyway the, the origin uh so so i've got a good friend nadia who i worked with when i was assisting for Heto Pereira back in the day and um, you know she she's someone who's who's very vocal about the the assistant ex experience and everything. So at one point she put on her blog um, the the struggles that she endured as an assistant, and you know they had everything from uh, you know just verbal abuse to uh, paying wages that were less than than livable, um, especially in the Los Angeles area. Uh, and it, it got a lot of people talking, you know, she she shared it on social media and and conversations started to begin. So then uh, so then I chimed in and said, you know, what? maybe we should put together a list of guidelines for composers and their assistants. And and this could set some kind of a, a baseline for people who are who are getting ready to hire and, and things like that. And then it was kind of thrust upon me to uh, to make this official. And through the suggestion of one of the big Hollywood composer agents, um, I, I was going to put this thing together. So so rather than just make a simple list, I actually just went hard at it and and made a whole book and, and got some friends to help me contribute a f uh, some paragraphs to it as well. And, and we created this thing called the Assisting the Composer Guidebook. And it was, you know, the first of its kind, like talked about things that that you don't learn in school, talked about things that, you know, the 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 truth of what happens at composer studios, what to get ready for, you know, the the egos, the the untolds, the the unexpected, the um the hours, the um, you know, every challenge you could you could dream of working for an assistant it's in there and it, and it really opened the eyes of a lot of people and a, a couple months after that book came out we we decided to make it a community so we started a facebook group and just slowly gathered people who are interested and and now it's uh you know we have a discord server as well and it's just turned into this whole thriving community and and i i can't say enough of how proud of it i am and and all the people involved and and the admin team who who works with me as well uh and it's it's just awesome so um through that we we just had our first in-person 
event uh last month and and that was awesome as well like we we had a good turnout like i think at least 180 people showed up mm-hmm. uh, and we had sponsors including sound iron so mm-hmm. you know we're, we're real proud to to have been able to put that together and and we thank you guys for your support of course yeah it was a really awesome event and yeah, that's where i got to meet you for the first time in person yep. and and uh, all the other people who spoke at the panel uh and catherine dern was there i got to meet her in person for the first time and uh, yeah, it was really cool. And it's just, I think, I think it's really awesome what you guys are doing as far as, you know, with, with the community and making everyone feel more comfortable trying to kind of get into, you know, into this line of work. And I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger as you guys keep going. Yeah, thank you. It, it's, it's awesome. It, that's, that's just the one word I can use to describe it. Um, and yeah, the, the big, big thing, as I've said before, it's, it's a safe place, you know, you can, you can go there and fall on your face and no one's going to point at you. Everyone's going to help you up and, and get you to the next thing. Yeah, especially these days, because I could see, especially in some Facebook groups, which I'm not going to name, you know, you get someone who you can tell they're pretty new or maybe they're they have a, a new interest in wanting to pursue this type of career. And, you know, there's a lot of people kind of ready with their comment guns, just ready to shoot <laughs> you down sort of thing. And so I think that's awesome because, yeah, like it a lot of times the, People do want to just ask questions, and especially these days, I can see why most people wouldn't want to because there's a lot of people that just want to, you know, make someone feel bad or they're dumb or something. But yeah, that's yeah, it's nice. It's nice to know that there's a, an avenue on the internet for composers where you can feel that way. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Thank you. So, what advice would you give to a uh, a young composer, a composer just out of school who's trying to get their feet wet, get some experience, and like uh, set themselves apart from the competition because there, yeah. there is a lot of new grads and they are all kind of going for the same thing. So you see like, you know, someone put posts a Craigslist ad that says wanted free some, someone to score my short film for free. And he has like a hundred people reach out. Uh, so like in, in a situation like that, what, what advice do you have? Yeah. All right. So, you do see those all the time and quite frankly if you have no experience you're going to need to get it somehow so you know there's there's things to be gained even if there's 100 people applying for something like that so the first thing you work on is what to put in your message to to stand out from the rest and and book that gig even if it's for free um you got to do something right something a little different one word i've been coming back to a lot is connection you got to find a way to connect with that person uh because if if you don't then you know how how can you expect them to have faith in your ability to get the the job done right um so you got to say something personal you got to you know do a little homework try and find out something about that filmmaker hopefully they they put something where you can figure out who they are and 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 what they've done and you know go watch their their other movies go uh go learn about you know where they came from and and what brought them to making movies or video games or or whatever it is uh so that you know you have a chance to make that connection when you reach out the first time and then if if you do end up booking that job then then it's up to you to do the best you can bring your unique voice and do things wrong a little bit maybe like we we talk all the time about like okay this this is how you do MIDI this is how you export things for your orchestrator and you know there's a right way to do it and so so on and so forth but you know what sets these brilliant composers apart like Brian or Hans Zimmer or 
or whoever else you want to talk about is is the fact that they did it their own way like they did it without someone teaching them how to do it and they figured out a way to do it and by doing it that way they created their own personality their own fingerprints and their own very distinct identity and uh so so i encourage people to do that you know go go find what it is that makes sense to you and then if if you're a more uh risk averse person kind of like me then you just you do homework you you listen to your favorite composers you listen to your least favorite composers and 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 you just you know gather all the information you can you make a mental list of what works for you and what parts you don't like and you take that and you leave that out and that will become a voice for you too so you know there's there's lots of ways to become unique and everything uh but you got to follow through it um and the the last little bit of advice is something i heard um this a very successful youtuber tell me what's which was um success trends toward action hmm. and as long as you're doing something you're actively out there making mistakes and learning as you go success will find you um you just got to you just got to keep hacking and and just keep swinging i like that yeah yeah i liked your sizzle reel i watched that i don't know how old that is but it showed uh, a lot of projects you've worked on and i assume that's your original music behind it how how important would you say uh, a reel is in attracting new clients uh it's it's important and and yeah my my sizzle reel is in, in in need of an update but i'm i'm very appreciative that that you enjoyed that one that's from 2018 i think okay uh and and you know i'm i'm still proud of it i, I leave it up there cuz it it speaks to to who i am and and some of the stuff i've done so so thank you there but uh but yeah reels are important they're important in different levels or different respects depending on what you're trying to get like like if it's if it's the only thing that someone can see of yours to to look at you know what what you've done then yeah it's it's going to play a really important role so you want to you want to uh make it as good as possible um something i try to do whenever i'm making a reel is tell a story or 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 just make it entertaining in some way like i i'll go back to that word connection again like you you have to be able to reach out to your viewer and make them feel something you know that's how, that's how you connect through a reel you you got to conjure up a feeling it's not just a te- technical demo like um if you're an architect you show a picture of a building you've designed or or a, or a picture of a building that got built or something like that and and that's cool and all but like does that does that reach out to the to the client and and you know grab them by their heartstrings probably not so mm-hmm. as a as a composer as someone who's doing a, an emotional art form that should be your goal to make an emotional connection with that reel uh and that could be done through editing that could be done through um you know just having great music on there um going back to the reel that you're talking about earlier what it is if you haven't seen it is it's a montage of a bunch of clips i've done from all the movies that i've i've scored um and it's just one piece of music all, all the way through kind of an mm-hmm. emotionally charged piece of music and then the clips i chose from those movies are um you know the the first third of it are are things where um people are taking steps so it's like stepping stones or or you know progress towards a goal of some kind and then the middle chunk of it is like action and and things that are exciting and things are happening and then the last third are things like hugs and and uh, you know 
people connecting and having that emotional experience with with one another. So you know that's all deliberate. They're they're not just random randomly chosen things. So that's that's a way to do it. Another thing I recommend to everyone is um, make a video personality of yourself in some form. That could be through a YouTube channel or or a podcast or um, a TikTok account or something like that. You know, people should be able to see you and see how you talk and see your cadence and and your rhythm because that's going to give them the best indicator of what it's like to work with you. Um, and and I'm actually starting a YouTube channel myself. I've got one in the works that's being edited right now. Um, so so that's gonna soon we'll begin my endeavor cool. in, yeah. my video right. personality. So I'm very excited about that. But but yeah, uh, it's all part of connection. You have to uh, make people familiar with you before they even uh, walk in the same room with you, so that you know there's a level of comfort and and confidence in what you can do. Nice. Just curious, what 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 types of content are you planning for the channel? It's gonna be walkthroughs of of my work and and how I've done it. Uh, and the first video I'm planning to do is a is a bit of the Super Mario Brothers movie and and how we arranged one of the scenes on it. Nice. Very I, cool. I, do yeah. to, I do have to clear some channels on that first, um, <laughs> but uh, but from the from the looks of it, everything should be all good to go. That's cool. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, subscribing to your channel. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah same. You. All right, um, I have three rapid fire questions for you. Um, the first one is best recent purchase under a hundred dollars. This is, can be software. This can be hardware. This can be like a nice meal. This can be uh, anything under a hundred dollars that you have uh, purchased recently that you've been enjoying. Sorry, it's not going to be rapid fire, but a little bit about <laughs> me. I'm, I'm kind of like Anne Catherine Dern in the, in the terms of like, I try not to, to buy things and and spend lots of money like the the rig you see behind me has been the same rig for the last like four or five years yeah i was gonna say those speakers uh, <laughs> are not under a hundred dollars i know that for, for yeah. sure and yeah it's, it, it took quite a bit of saving to to get a lot of it i'm always happy to share like my my favorite food places and one of the one of the ones i did recently was uh howlin rays which is a, a um, Nashville hot chicken joint in Pasadena, and they have one in Chinatown as well. And yeah, it's it's to die for. Like, you, it, it best 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 chicken I think I've ever had. And if you like spicy, it's like gonna be right up your alley. I like spicy, but I don't eat chicken. So Nathan, <laughs> you come out this way, you gotta go I, there. I've, I've experienced it. It is quite it, epic. The whole it might make you a believer, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, my next question is recent tv show podcast or video game or film something you've been enjoying recently that you can recommend uh well i know um zelda tears of the kingdom came out earlier this year uh, yeah I, I managed to pick at that for a few hours a day um while all the kids asleep and 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 i'm you know coming up with ideas for work and stuff so that that was an awesome game um and for sure recommend it uh, and I've also been kind of going back in time. Now. I'm currently playing uh, Zelda: Link to the Past on SNES, and nice. And that, that's the classic. Yeah, I've been wanting to get back into that one again. I was telling my girlfriend about that. I was like, "Man, I want to," because I got one of those those uh, SNES consoles that have like 30 games on them. Oh, and I was on one of them. Yeah, been meaning to get back on that. It's cool. All right, and my last question for you is: What's next for Kenny? 
Aha. Okay. So we have the Naughty Nine coming out on November 22nd on Disney Channel and then November 23rd and onward on uh, Disney Plus. Um, and then from there, we've got a few projects for Brian lined up, uh, but I can't say what they are yet. <laughs> and then after that, it's kind of like the Wild West. Uh, now that the the writers and actors strikes are over, all, all of us composers are, are trying to uh, see what's coming up next. And and there's likely to be a lot of stuff because there, you know, there's been a hold on everything. So, so now that yeah. the, now that the bottleneck is open, there's going to be a flood of content, and we're all very excited about it. Everyone's going to be too busy. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Which ain't a bad thing. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Sound Iron Podcast, and we will link to all of your socials and uh, recommend people watch the Naughty Nine. All right, it's so so awesome to be here. Thank you guys so much. And- yeah. Sound Iron's great, and we're happy to have you guys as a sponsor for uh, teammates. And and you know we'll be hitting you up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love supporting the community, man. So we appreciate it. Thank you for coming on.